Welcome to Camp, Hike, Live, the podcast devoted to helping you learn, enjoy, and explore the great outdoors. Well, hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of Camp, Hike, Live. My name is Nathan Harrington, and I am joined, as always, by the joyful Christopher Hiller. Christopher, how are you? Today, I am full of joy, just like you said. How are you doing? Uh-huh. That's a word. It is. We had to have a discussion about that. Okay, so what are we doing today? What's the episode about today? Today, we're going to talk about uh, going stoveless out on the camp and the trail. Uh, I think it's a good topic. There's every season you hear about all the big wildfires that happen, mostly out west, but they happen all over the place. And going stoveless is one way you can help remove yourself from that equation, or maybe even in dry times when the winds are high or there's a high fire thing, you can go out and enjoy camping, you can go out and enjoy hiking, but yet you're taking out that element. And I would guess, and I'll let you chat about that a little bit, takes a little weight off when you're doing some hiking. Oh, it absolutely does. But before we get into the episode, into the the nitty gritty of that, what's new with you? What's going on with Christopher? Well, the newest thing with me is the National Guard, which I've let some people know that I'm in, has taken me away. I had to do some training. So Mm -hmm. that's why it's a little refreshing to get here and chat with you again. We've missed you. We have. At the (laughs) Viking household, not being able to chat with Chris has been, it's been really hard. I had plenty of uh, of Army folks to chat with, (laughs) but uh, it left me technology-less. Uh, for a little while. And now I'm back and I'm happy to be talking about what I love, which is the camping and hiking. Mm-hmm. So anything new in your world? Uh, the development of a, a I want to choose a good word. I don't have one. A terrible two. I mean, that, that is the word for it. In the last month or so, my, my son Asher has just really taken to some terrible thing. You know, he, his favorite word now is no. He, he's hitting, he's scratching, he's biting. Uh, he'll just run around. I mean, he's very verbal. He puts together full sentences. He he speaks very very well, and he has. He he always has. But uh, now he's he'll just throw out gibberish and yell and scream and wave his hands in the air. He's defining his oh, personality. You know, you know, you get to mold that. You should. Well, I hope this isn't his personality. <laughs> personality is a crazy child at the moment. I hope that this is just a, a stage, and then we can look ahead to the time when he's not a complete terror. But hey, I, I, I'm trying to enjoy it. Well, if my child is any example for the future, uh, it, it does get better. However, mine was very awesome at two. It was the, ter- we'll say terrible threes. The three is when he got all defiant and so you're maybe a little ahead of the curve. Yeah. Well, and then the way that uh, Sharon and I have have decided to uh, uh, make our family is uh, having our children very, very close together. So we have Asher at two and a half. Henry just turned one. So maybe when Asher gets old enough, Henry will bust right into the terrible twos. As one goes out, the other one goes in. And then in January, we're having our third Troyer. So he's going to be following directly in line. So it's kind of scary <laughs> to think about how we're always going to have, we're always going to have one in diapers. We're always going to have one uh, as that toddler. And, uh, you know, we, we wanted them very close together so that they could be very, a tight group of siblings. But I think that we're kind of. So they of can wrestle and beat each other up and break things. Yeah. Blame yeah, it on each absolutely. other. <laughs> well, and they, like, they play sports together. And, and uh, well, you know, once we are done with diapers, we're done with diapers. We don't have to have a kid like three, four, five years later and bring the diapers back into the equation. But this, this podcast isn't about diapers. What am I no. talking about? Let's get into the meat and potatoes, as we like to say, of our podcast. And that is going stoveless. 
So if you're going to go stoveless, what, what do you suggest? Like what are some reasons why you may do it or uh, maybe reasons why you have to do it? Well, I have a few reasons to do it. Uh, one of the first ones I, I hinted at with you is I think for you and your hiking world folks, and, and me too, I do some hiking as well, just not as much as you do, is it takes away some weight. You don't have that fuel. Uh, stoves themselves are relatively light, I would say. Uh, it, it's the fuel that really adds the weight to it. And I would say it's probably around, a, what would you guess, around a pound, maybe a pound and a half total? Uh, depending on your stove, you could have stoves. Like if you do a, a more elaborate, like a jet boil system, which you may see camping more, but you do see it a lot in, in people's hiking packs. Yeah, they're, they're a pound to two pounds, even if you've got a lot of fuel, uh, depending on your, because some people carry some extra pots and stuff like that. But down to uh, even less than a pound, I've got a, a stove itself that's only uh, I think it's eight ounces or may no 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 the stove itself is less than that it's like three ounces it's crazy light but uh it's like you said it's the fuel that weighs more and then it's not when you get into the very light stoves, they're not as effective in, in heating up the liquid. So you lose a little bit on the convenience and how quickly you can make your food. Yeah, I sell basically two styles of stove. And this is where uh, it's good for this podcast is I sell a different style of stove to the campers than I do the hikers. And all of the hiker stoves are very small. Mm -hmm, I think the sure. heaviest hiker stove that I sell is maybe an optimist that's like eight ounces. Mm -hmm. Otherwise they're like five ounces, two and a half ounces. They're, they're super light and it's fuel that has the weight. Under the lighter load category of though of going stoveless, I, I do want to throw on a couple precautions. If you're going to go stoveless, I recommend that you still bring matches or a lighter. You're going to need that for safety and, and at least one like metal mug or something like that. You can go light and the whole purpose of going stoveless helping is under this category is a lighter load, but you still want to keep the matches, the lighter, the uh, and a mug maybe. Yeah, because like you said, you're you're mainly removing the fuel from the equation and potentially a bigger cook pot. If you do have a cook pot that's a little bit bigger, another thing that it really helps with for maybe some long distance hikers and stuff is a time save. You don't have to spend time cooking. You'll notice that, and a lot of thru-hikers use it as a, a comfort thing. You get done with a long day of, of 20 plus miles of hiking, and you get your camp set up, and all of a sudden it's like, all right, now I get to, uh, for lack of a better comparison, watch TV. You know, it's your entertainment and stuff. So they don't mind spending the time cooking their food and enjoying it. But if, if you're on a tight time frame uh, for some of these long-distance hikers, they want to uh, minimize that amount of time Going stoveless can be quite a bit faster. You transitioned perfectly into my second heading, which was more time, more time on the trail, more time in the camp. You have no setup time for your cooking year. You have no waiting for water to boil. You ha you don't have to rehydrate your dinner. I mean, there's a huge time saving there. And yep. in the campground, it's not as big a deal, but I would guess for all of your hiking, just like you're saying, is that's gigantic, especially when you want to get to sleep. You want, you know, you have what, what you call what your your hiker midnights and that comes earlier than uh, than actual midnight so right cuz you're you're working off daylight not all hikers a lot of hikers are hiking into the night now you know night hiking and stuff but when you're working with the daylight you're minimizing the amount of time when you're stopping to cook especially if you want to cook lunch and heat your lunch you know that's a decent amount of time that you're that you're using to cook your food and a lot of the cold camping a lot of the meals and stuff can be prepared and eaten while you're moving uh, I spent so much time hiking on the trail and stuffing food in my face while my legs are still going so you really 
really can save time. And it makes, if you're doing a distance hike, it makes resupplies so much easier because you don't have to worry about where am I getting my fuel. If you're doing a longer hike, maybe a couple weeks, it becomes logistically hard to find places to get off trail that potentially have and sell the gas that fits your stove or it's the right size or because, you know, there's different types of gas for the stoves. If you're doing an alcohol stove, you need to, there's just a lot of things to it. And really you're just stripping away complications and simplifying the process. I went out and did a little test of this just because I wanted to know, do you really save time and how much is it? And I guesstimated that you're going to save between 30 and 60 minutes by getting the water boiling, by rehydrating your food, by cooking it to the right temperature. I'm guessing that's 30 to 60 minutes and that's every meal. So in a hiking world, that could potentially be two to two and a half hours that is yours, is yours to do whatever, to prepare, to pack, to set up, to tear down, to get moving. So, And the other piece that I wanted to touch on that you briefly overviewed was the cooking varieties. You could go stoveless, but there's kind of what I call the transition period between stoveless. Everyone thinks when you're talking to stove, you're talking about your gas and your fuel that we're talking about. There are some stoves out there that you can purchase that use the materials of the woods, like your kindling, your your little sticks and your things. And those are a lot lighter. Those are usually um, basically frames that you add kindling to or you add little sticks and your little leaves to and you can cook off those. So that's an option too. Uh, but that's not what we're talking about today. We're, we're talking about going stoveless and not having any sort of cooking apparatus with you. Right. And then I think those are a little bit of a, oh, I don't know. It, it's something people, they get into because they like that they're using them because they're really not very efficient in, in heating food. Not that they, they don't do a, an okay job, but they're definitely less efficient than other options. And if you're hiking, there's a good chance that you're not going to have a good supply of fuel, whether it's wet outside. So if you really want to get into that because you enjoy it, I could see that. But uh, unless you're having a lot of fun with it, I, I wouldn't really recommend people going with those types of, of wood burning stoves. I actually had a question on our YouTube channel from a lady asking if she could do that as a reliable way of cooking on a through hike of the Appalachian Trail. And I had to let her know, I was like, you know, you're going to have opportunities to do it, but as being reliable and every day expecting to find dry wood for your stove, not only is it wet the majority of the time you're out there, but most of the campsites see thousands of hikers a year. Finding firewood at a campsite that is visited by thousands of hikers is almost it's, it's almost impossible. They pick through the majority of the burnable wood, so it's not a real good option for people. But anyways... Back to the topic, you had talked about you may be able to save as much as two and a half hours. And I, I was doing some quick math, you know, at our fastest hiking pace, we could hike like four miles an hour. So that's an extra 10 miles a day potentially for a distance hiker. So now I can really see why these guys that are doing because uh, there's there's a really competitive world out there now for these distance hikes uh, for like speed hiking different trails and they're they're hiking 40, 50 miles a day on average. And most of all of these guys are going to try to do something like a stoveless. But we're, let's bring it back to the camping side. Why might a camper want to go stoveless? We understand for a hiker all of the benefits, but how about for a camper? Because uh, it doesn't seem beneficial for a camper to do it to me. Well, it's a lot of the same reasons that you as a hiker would go stoveless. One is convenience. Uh, sometimes when you're doing, especially your 
what I call your uh, your trunk camping or your car camping style. Uh, a lot of times what you're doing is you're just there for the night. You're there to get ready, to set up your tent, go to sleep, and then maybe move to your next location. You may be traveling across the state. You may be staying in like a rest stop or wayside rest or different places where you're just camping for the night. So you may want to be stoveless just for convenience of, hey, we'll get out, we'll we'll get established uh, for our evening, and then we'll get up and go right away in the morning for a lot of the same reasons. Another one of the reasons you may want to go stoveless is because if you're running a hub-and-spoke style camping event. Say what? A hub-and-spoke camping style is when you have a main camp where you have all of your important items such as your stove, such as your grill, such as your tent, and then for the day you go out in a different spear or spoke to a different direction and every day it could be a different place yeah my wife and i do a very similar kind of like what you're saying when we travel uh we make some trips we live in in pennsylvania we make some trips to north carolina every year and to virginia for trail days every year and these are multiple day trips especially with young children and we put together a camper we call the the hotel on wheels because for the first couple years we stayed at hotels and we found that camping could save us considerable amount of money and when when you take a trip like that, yeah, it's not so much for the enjoyment of camping, but it is for the, the convenience and the, the, the money saved for us to not have to stay in hotels. And cold camping on those trips really does make it more convenient because it's about getting to a destination and not so much about, uh, you know, sitting by a grill at a campsite. Today's episode is brought to you by Come see Camper Chris. He's got all you need. A camping guru, outdoor buff, your expert on stuff. He's also camping out in social media. So come see Camper Chris. One of the other main topics that I have that I want to make sure we talk about when we talk about going stoveless is the amount of odors, like the camp odors from being stoveless are so much lower. So for example, when you pull out your meal replacement bar or your dried fruit, your tortilla, and we'll talk a little bit about food in, a, in, in down the road here, but when you pull out those type of things, you don't have this scent that is wafting uh, down the trail and over the campsite. It's not, it's confined and it's uh, leaving the odors really confined with you and what you're eating and it doesn't waft out and attract animals or, or different yeah, I, I wonder the science behind that, because I think you're right. When you're cooking food with a fire, not only the smell of the fire, the smell of the gas, the the smell of, I wonder how much it increases the smell of the food. It, it definitely does. You think about it, someone, you're walking into a house that's doing a bunch of cooking, and it's like, oh, it smells great cooking bacon or whatever, and walk into that same house where they just poured a bowl of cereal. It, yeah, it's, it's whole different. You know, it, it doesn't make any smell. But animals are a little heightened on their smell, but it definitely amplifies it when you're cooking, for sure. Well, and then I've read so many of the blogs and I've listened to, to obviously your YouTube videos of your hike. And one of the things is all of the hikers seem to say that their sense of smell increases. They know if there's perfumes in the area. They know if somebody's a day hiker and cooking this food. So obviously it makes a difference. We could smell day hikers a mile away. It's so incredible. We could literally be walking down the trail and we go... <laughs> I think I smell a day hiker. And like two minutes later, here they come. It's it's really quite fun. But let's jump into one thing before we get to talk about the food and the, the different things that you can take out for your stoveless adventure. Why are some reasons that's kind of like cons? What, why wouldn't you want to go stoveless? What are the things that you're giving up? 
I think the savoriness mm-hmm. is that a word? Oh, that's we're going to use it for this podcast. The savoriness of the food goes away with stoveless. I mean, you could still have some hearty and and full items such as your peanut butters and maybe some uh, dried chicken or something that has some protein and some value, but you don't have that saliva producing food <laughs> uh, when you're going stoveless. Things are just tend to be a little different. Yeah, and I think that it's the comfort of it as well. There's no warmth, you know, and here's here's uh, one thing to think about when going stoveless. It may be something that you'd be more interested in doing in hotter months. I see a lot of people out there in the summertime, they'll cut out the stove because they don't feel the need for that warmth. I'm a big coffee drinker. It's one of my favorite things on the trail is different ways of, I've, I've got a espresso maker that I can go camping with so I can make espresso on the trail, though I don't take it very often. I have that option. I love different ways of making coffee and the warmth of coffee is the one and only reason why I have never went stoveless is because I, oh, I like it so much. It's so much a part of my camping experience and my hiking experience. So, you know, you can't have cold coffee, I understand, but it's the warmth that people really to wake up and to make warm oatmeal or before you go to bed to have a warm bowl of, of ramen noodle soup, you know? So I think that is a big thing that people miss out on. Yeah. There's just something to, well, there's a reason man evolved because we got to control fire. And this is one of those things where we're deciding not to control that fire. And one of the, one of the real reasons, and this is maybe an American style, but I get to be really gluttonous when I have my stove. Like if I make a, we'll say it's some stew or something on the trail, I eat every drop and I might even lick the bowl. Where if you're uh, stoveless, you get halfway through one of those replacement bars, you can wrap that up. That's not going to rot on you. It's a little bit more shelf stable and you can throw it back in your pack. You can't do that when you're cooking your food uh, on a stove. Is Once it's cooked, you have to eat it. You have to wash out that pan to get going. So that's one of the pros slash cons that comes with going stoveless is you get to store that food. Uh, but it's kind of a con because the cooked food is, oh, well, you get to lick the bowl. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be ups and downs to the, the, the whole idea. And <clears throat> that's why we're talking about it on this podcast. I know from my hiking and camping friends, they love to really dive into the logistics, the the gear and what they're going to do and what they're going to pack for each of their adventures. This is just another bit of information that you can put inside of your your box and use, you know, hey, this is what's an option that you can do. We've hinted at a lot of the foods, so let's get right into talking about the foods as our podcast is getting a little long on time, but we want to hit the foods uh, when you're going stoveless. So we'll start with what was your favorite or what is the, the staple that you have to have uh, it, when you went stoveless or when you decided not to cook? Well, I haven't really went stoveless on the trails, but I have eaten a lot of food that I know can go stoveless. And as far as breakfast goes, it's as simple as you switch out oatmeal for Pop-Tarts. You know, you switch out oatmeal for Pop-Tarts. For a hiker, calories are important. Uh, I've got a probably an unhealthy addiction to Pop-Tarts after hiking the trail. There's something about them. Maybe it's the addictive properties of preservatives or whatever. I don't care. They're delicious. But I definitely think Pop-Tarts are a good option for breakfast. Uh, for me, for lunch, we substituted with like wraps, yep. doing a lot of, of wraps and stuff like that. And then uh, meat and cheese are two things. So if you can do meat and cheese with like a loaf of bread, we actually did that on the trail quite a bit. If it's not too hot, the cheese doesn't really doesn't really get too 
kind of the oil starts to come out of it and stuff. But as long as it's cooler temperatures, you can do that and pack it. Uh, those are some of my go-tos. Yeah, I wrapped a lot of those in with my our tortilla. The, the tortilla, tortilla. 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 Tor- I don't know. Exactly. However, whatever part of the country is in the proper way to tortilla. say, those for me became a staple when I went stoveless. Obviously, peanut butter. I'm a big peanut butter guy. But like you said, you can put salami. You can put basically anything you can think of you can put on there. And it makes for a good sandwich type mm-hmm. um, meal. It doesn't get crushed in your pack. doesn't get crushed in your bag. You skipped over it. But I actually like those uh, overnight oats, like those quick oats. Mm-hmm. Those are good cold. You can put those in water. Even if you don't have a stove and heat them up, you can put them in water and rehydrate them. Here is something that we haven't talked about yet that I think is very, very important. When it comes to going stoveless, you actually do not have to eliminate any of the food. Any bit of food that you would take with a stove, all of the rehydratable meals can be rehydrated with cold water. That stew that you were talking about, you can rehydrate that and eat it cold. And here is a hot tip. Was I doing hot tips? I think they're called hot tips. Here's a hot tip for you. Make that meal at lunchtime, rehydrate it. So you take your stew at lunchtime, you're eating some tortilla with, here's a go-to for Sharon and I, tortilla, peanut butter, raisins, drizzle a little honey on there and wrap it up. That was something we ate a lot on the trail. You're eating that for lunch. Now take some water, dump it into your soup, your stew, seal it back up, and then put it inside of your jacket and finish your hike. When you go to eat that at night, it will at least be body temperature. And if it's cold outside, will feel warm to you. It will not feel like it's cold. Use your body heat to heat it up. It works. That's a fantastic hot tip. I told you, fantastic. Hot <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. One of the things that you didn't, and I really, I kind of left it off because I thought you were going to bring it up. Ramen noodles. Those mm. are great when you're going stoveless. I've seen people eat them without hydrating oh. them, like crunchy snack. <laughs> eat them like a cracker. That's dis- That's disgusting. <laughs> I may or may not be one of those folks. I may <laughs> or may not be. <laughs> My son is addicted to ramen. He thinks that's the greatest food on the planet. Oh. We limit him, but otherwise he would eat like you get like a whole case for like a buck and a quarter. And uh, he would eat the whole thing if we'd let him. But but those are really good because they pack well. Mm-hmm. Um, if you break them up, that's kind of okay if they're in your in your bag or if they're getting thrown around in your uh, trunk as you're doing your camping. But ramen noodles are, are high on my list for campless or for uh, stoveless foods. Yeah, ramen is really good. And and I, I going with that tip of you know using your body heat, you can still get it to a decent temperature where at least doesn't feel cold. But yeah, I wanted to make sure we touched on the fact that all of the food that you can rehydrate on the trail, you can still use cold water for. And, and to just wrap up the whole food conversation, I want to end with what I love and one maybe one of my favorite things about going stoveless is it feels like you're snacking all day. For example, you just grab those bars and you keep those handy. You grab like, uh, I don't know what you call it, like jelly beans. I really like jelly beans because they're they're high sugar, high energy. Uh, you bring those along. It, to me, it's like you're constantly snacking all day. And I kind of like snacking. Snacking is fun. Yeah. Uh, and I think that there's a lot of the traditional hiking and camping foods that doesn't require a stove. You're talking snacking. You've got granola bars. You've got your trail mix or your, uh, what do they call it? Group? No. Gorp? Gorp. There it is. Group. (laughs) What? But yeah, you've got, those are two staples. Camp in a group if you can. Hike solo, right? Uh, (laughs) Group. So um, there's those. And then uh, if you want to break out into some of the, uh, we are doing some more of these really long distance kinds of things. There's a lot of energy 
like you see them in ultra marathoners like the energy gels or maybe people that do long bike rides and stuff. A lot of those are making the transition into hiking. They don't need to be heated. There's a variety of those. I like how you said it, snacky foods. Go to the snack aisle in your grocery store. Those are things that you eat cold that you take out under the trail. Uh, And the only thing that I look for is hearty ones, things that can take a beating without getting crushed into a powder. But I have seen people take like their favorite kind of potato chips. They buy them and they smash them up into into little little pieces and then eat them with a spoon. Oh, that's a fantastic idea. Do they do they put water on them to get, get them like a mush or a mash or do they just eat them dry? Oh, they don't put water on them. <laughs> what are you talking about? That would be the grossest thing in the world. You got to remember, I'm in the army. I see some strange things when it comes to food. Ew, watered down, (laughs) smashed up. Can you imagine like Doritos watered down and smashed up? Hey. But if they were warm. I say water, smash them down, put some water, throw in some Tabasco. It's a good meal. There you go. (laughs) We're going to leave you with a quote today. If you can cook it at home, you can cook it while camping, unless you're going stoveless. Until next time. Bye-bye. If you like what you have heard today and you want to hear more from us about camping, hiking, and living the outdoor life, we ask that you subscribe to our podcast, share it with your friends, and help us to keep coming to you. If you'd like to join in on the conversation, you can do that on Facebook. Search Camp Hike Live Forum.